Welcome back to the Scarlet Fever, the Daily Nebraskans' own sports podcast. We have a special episode for you today as Nebraska soccer prepares for its first Big Ten tournament appearance since 2018. We're going to talk a little bit about that game as well as touch on the football game against Illinois this weekend and a couple other Nebraska sports. We have a special guest with us today, Avery Peck. She has been doing some of our beat writing this season for Nebraska soccer. Avery, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? We are doing great. And Gavin is here as always, Gavin Struve, along with me, Joseph Meyer. Gavin, it is a special episode. We have a guest on today. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, talk about another Nebraska fall sport that seems to be flourishing. Absolutely. As um, almost all of them are this season, um, and excited to hear Avery's input on what she's seen on the field this year. Yeah, absolutely. So Avery, if you want to just start by um, telling us about your experience covering the team this season, obviously a special season, um, just kind of talk about how the season's gone for you, how covering the team has been for you, and what you've liked about it. Yeah, absolutely. So started off a little rough, a um, couple of preseason losses to Weber and St. Louis, but then, honestly, Big Ten play, they won their first game at home against Minnesota 1-0 to with a late goal with two minutes left to go. And then a few more really good Penn State, or a re- really good Big Ten wins over Penn State, number 24, and a couple other good, great wins, you know, really late in the game. So it's been really fun to see them come a long ways from the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it kind of seems like it's been the inverse of how they um... – played last season where they I think had a really good non-conference stretch and then lost like I don't remember none of us were covering it then but they lost like six straight conference games and ended on a good strong note I think one two or three straight to end the season um this year kind of started slower and um rebounded fast enough that they didn't have to make that late season push to extend their season um and it paid off with them getting a tournament berth um as Joseph noted for the first time in a few years Avery, what have you seen this team, um, in what ways have you seen this team improve through the course of the season? Yeah, I've seen, you know, they don't give up. They play with high intensity, even different from the beginning of the season this year. They play with high intensity throughout both halves of the game, you know, all 90 minutes. They're given it their all, and even if they the outcome isn't what they want, they give it their all, all 90 minutes, every single game. Um, Avery, I know you were talking about this before we hopped on here, but what does it mean to you um, to, you know, be covering a a sport that, you know, maybe a lot of people aren't talking about? And, you know, what has it been like for you to cover a team that, you know, you think more people can talk about? You know, it's really awesome. And they had, I don't remember the exact number, but they had like a new attendance record for one of their home games this year. And it really is a truly amazing atmosphere, even being like a Friday night soccer game. The amount of fans that show up and how loud they are, it's, it's an amazing thing to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, I know this is your first season um, covering the team and um, first season, um, uh, this is your first time writing for a beat, I assume, too, because um, you're pretty early in your college career. But um, I guess you've kind of, it's kind of cool, I can't speak for you, but you've kind of gotten to um, grow as a writer as you've seen like this young team um, grow throughout the season. Um, I know you've talked to... Um, a lot of the players continually after the games throughout the season. Um, can you talk about kind of the significance of them reaching the tournament for the first time in a few years? Yeah, it's been super awesome because, you know, beginning of the season, you know, hopes weren't super high. They weren't thinking about that yet. But then as they got into play and they started winning more and more games and it started to be something on their radar, 
just interviewing them after the game, they would like, there'd be like a spark in their eye. They'd be so excited to talk about, they'd be like, this is what we really want. We're really pushing every game to be able to make it to this tournament and potentially even win it. I got to experience a lot of that last year when I was covering the softball beat. And for these for these sports, um, that it's not your typical volleyball, football, where there's a press conference and it's very, you know, um, steady and set together. You actually get to meet the athletes when you're interviewing for these smaller sports. Um, so it's great that you got to do that. Um, is there any like specific moment that with a player or with a coach that really stood out to you um, this season while you're talking to them? Yeah, it was actually after the Penn State game. I was about to interview Florence Belzeal. I just finished talking to goaltender Sammy Hauk and Florence came up and she was talking to Sammy about how she was like really nervous to do an interview because she was like, my English just isn't great. I'm so nervous. And Sammy was just like, you know, Avery's in one of my classes, like treat her like a human being. She just wants to have a conversation mm -hmm. with you. Like just treat it like a conversation. Don't treat it like a, she's, you know, trying to break you down, get all these answers out of you. Just have a conversation. And then she did great. We had a conversation. She told me a little bit about how that game went for them and it was wonderful. Yeah, it's, that's great. That's kind of what you're looking for when you're, Absolutely. Um, I mean, that kind of connection of talking to an athlete and especially as a student, you kind of have that connection, but you're starting out, so you're more nervous, but that's that's what you look for and glad you got to experience that. Um, so Nebraska, um, as we touched on, first Big Ten tournament appearance in five years, um, first winning regular season, I think, in five years as well. Um, they will be playing Ohio State. Nebraska actually has home field advantage. They are the four seed in the Big Ten tournament, um, whereas Ohio State, who is actually nationally ranked, is the fifth. Um, and so you did your tournament preview, um, which will be out um, the day this podcast releases. What did you learn about Ohio State in writing that preview, Avery? Yeah, I learned Ohio State's, you know, they've got a lot of older girls. They've got a lot of tournament experience. They were in the tournament last year um, at the number six seed. They've got eight seniors, and Nebraska's only got one. So, you know, that might be a factor in how this game goes, but also Nebraska has a home field advantage. So it'll just depend which Nebraska team shows up and which Ohio State team shows up. But Ohio State's got two girls that Nebraska should be watching for specifically. Um, Emma Sears and Kayla Fisher will be really dominant, have been really dominant for Ohio State all season. So those are two that Nebraska's really going to have to watch out for. It's interesting we talk about Nebraska having a home field advantage here, but it certainly seems that Ohio State has put together the uh, you know more extensive body of work this season. Just looking at simply statistics for the goals for and goals allowed uh, categories, um, you know, you look at the stats and you think Ohio State definitely would have the higher seed, but Nebraska does. When you're talking to these players, do you get a sense that being in their first tournament, um, playing a team that's ranked nationally, 25 is Ohio State, um, even though it is at home, do you get a sense that, you know, the pressure might get to them or do you feel like they're just going to attack it as any other game? Yeah, I don't see the pressure as being a problem for them, especially after how they performed against Penn State. You know, they knew Penn State was ranked. They knew how good they were. And Nebraska dominated that entire game. And so I don't see that being a problem. I think as long as the fans show up and I think as long as the Nebraska team that has been showing up and winning these games shows up, I don't think they'll have much of a problem at all. Yeah, um, you kind of touched on it in your um, last question I asked you, but um, kind of speak on the contrast of, I mean, you found in your preview that um, just the contrast and experience, we talked about how Nebraska doesn't have anyone 
who has played in a Big Ten tournament, obviously since they haven't been there in five years, um, how does that contrast with Ohio State's experience? You know, and their age. Well, Nebraska might have a little bit of nerves, just like in the first couple minutes, just the knowing where they are, what they're doing, and all. But I think once they get warmed up, once they kind of get locked in, see how the game's going to go, I don't think that should be too big of an issue. Can't speak for them. You know, I'm not in their shoes. But I think if they treat it like a normal game, they'll be fine. How much do you think um, having a goaltender like Sammy back there, how much do you think that impacts the team? Um, She's been kind of a staple this season playing in every game, like you said. Um, Do you think that, you know, having a goalie that they they really trust is going to really impact their, uh, their play on the field? Yeah, I think that it's a really important part of their team. I think that um, she has been very important for them all season long. And like Ohio State's been switching between two different goaltenders. So that might, you know, I can't say for sure, but that could potentially throw them off a little bit. Or, you know, if one of them lets up a goal and they have to switch, it might throw some stuff off for them. So I think having one goaltender that Nebraska's really, really proud of and really confident in, I think that can be a huge piece in their in their game. Yeah, so what I was kind of trying to get at in the last question is, um, so Nebraska doesn't have anyone who's played in the Big Ten tournament because they haven't been there, but also mm-hmm. because they only have one senior. Um, and Ohio State, you had found, has like eight seniors, mm-hmm. is it? Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of – I think that was like the most interesting part about your um, preview to me where Nebraska is kind of a young and hungry team. Um and you had said that could either play to their benefit or to their detriment given their lack of experience. So that'll different. I think that's kind of the main thing I'll be watching is if, um, I don't know, you see any unforced errors or anything from Nebraska, which is a team that's led by, it seems like a lot of sophomores, um, a mm-hmm. couple of freshmen. Um, I think home field advantage probably helps in that department um, with nerves. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. Do you have any um, specific things you'll be watching in this matchup? Um I guess, given the teams have played already this season? Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching for how Ohio State plays against someone like Sarah Weber, who's been a constant, you know, part of Nebraska's success. And how will they double-team her? How will they go against defending someone like that who can, who's really fast, really aggressive? Um, so that's what I'll mainly be seeing or looking to see. Yeah, do you think... Weber is going to be the X factor in this game, or, or are there any other players that you would look at to say, uh, if this if this player has a great game, Nebraska has a really good chance to take victory? Yeah, the other one that specifically comes to mind is Florence Belzeal. She had a great game against Penn State. Um, she had the first two goals of the game right open in the in the first ten minutes of the game. She had the first two goals, so I definitely think that if she stays hot and stays confident, I think she could be a big factor if Nebraska happens to win that game. Yeah, you touched on in your preview how Nebraska's going to have to play like they did against Penn State to beat Ohio State. Um, what what do you think was so successful in that Penn State game that they really need to um, do again against Ohio State? Yeah, I think they had some really nice goals in that game, but also I think their defense is what stuck out to me the most, is their ability to shut down what was a really strong Penn State offense, and Penn State couldn't really do anything with it. Um, and then as, and as far as this tournament goes here, you know, when you look at a tournament, right, you have to win multiple games back-to-back. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nebraska hasn't won a back a game back-to-back this year. I don't think they put together back-to-back wins. Um, 
do you think that this team has the ability to be that consistent, or is this kind of going to be a one-shot at Ohio State and, and maybe try to compete later, but no real chance to really push forward and, and take a championship home? I think it's a long shot, but I definitely think that they are a team that has what it takes. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, like you said, long shot for a team that hasn't made the tournament since 2018. Um, it will definitely be a challenge to do so. There are some really good teams in the Big Ten. I believe four ranked teams right now. Ohio State's sitting in there at 25. There's Northwestern, uh, Michigan State as well. Um, anything else you have for Gavin? Um, not really, no. I'm excited to see how this team does. Definitely think they have a chance against Ohio State, um, more so given they've already played them to a draw. Um, otherwise, Ohio State does seem like the superior team, but, I mean, we've seen across sports that once you get into postseason play like this, anything can happen. Um, and I think, um, I don't know how you feel, Avery, but I guess that it's an abbreviated tournament um, where it's only eight teams. Mm-hmm. Is There's a better chance of going on a run versus – basketball where all 14 teams are in the Big Ten tournament. Right. Win um, three games and you have the championship. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see um, if, I mean, if if Avery's back in the next week or so, it'll be because yeah. Nebraska's done something incredible. But um, excited to see what happens in the time in between. Yeah. Any closing thoughts, Avery? Um, I don't think so. I think all that right. might be it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We'll be back after a quick break to talk some other Nebraska sports going into the week ahead. Thanks, guys. Welcome back. Thanks, Avery, so much for coming on. For the rest of the show, we're going to do a little bit of a fall sports roundup, talking some of the other Husker sports that are mid-season or coming to the end of their season right now. Starting off with football. Now, we already did our Illinois preview pretty extensively on last week's episode. Go check that out if you have not already. But we are going to dive into it a little bit. Gavin, how are you feeling going into this game on Saturday against Illinois? I'm pretty jacked up about it. Um <laughs> The actual game, I'm excited for the game. I think it'll be like, I mean, we'll we'll kind of touch on our score predictions in a second. Um, I'm expecting a pretty raucous crowd. Um, it's a ranked opponent coming to town. First time since Oklahoma blew the doors off Nebraska <laughs> a month ago. Um, and it's primetime slots. ABC's airing it. Um, should be another sellout. Probably an actual sellout this week, <laughs> um, I'm expecting. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I think stylistically, as as strong as Illinois is, I kind of feel like stylistically this sets up as a better matchup for Nebraska um, and Illinois. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but Illinois definitely looks like the better team than Purdue. Um, but, yeah, we we're talking about we were expecting for the Purdue game that we thought we were going to see one score loss, which is what ended up happening – um, Illinois ranked team, um, been very good all season. So the story about them is they super run dominant and have the best defense in college football right now, statistically. Um, we touched on that last week's podcast. Nothing has changed since the bye week for both teams. Um, so I'm kind of foreseeing a relatively low scoring close game. Um, I'm going to throw out 26-20 Illinois. Okay. Um, honestly, that's probably not that low scoring for Big Ten standards. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, before I, I guess, we jump into kind of a quick um, – breakdown what are you expecting yeah like you said very excited for this matchup um I had forgot that Oklahoma was ranked and you know 
when Easy we to forget when Nebraska played them last. Um, but Illinois is ranked late into the season and pretty high at this point. Um, you know, outside of the Big Ten East teams, they are pretty high. Um, so it should be a great environment. Some reason national audience just really wanted Illinois Nebraska at that two thirty ABC time slot, which is. I guess their choice. Um, you joked about how everyone knows Trey Palmer now, and so maybe that's yeah. why. Um, but definitely a marketable, marketable game, to say the least. Um, Illinois beats Nebraska. Everyone gets to clown on Nebraska a little bit more. Um, if Nebraska beats Illinois, they defeated a uh, – maybe some might think a prime for what, – what was the word you described for it? A prime for the taking uh, ranked team. Yeah, we were talking about how it's like – Illinois is a ranked team and seems like for real, but people are kind of like waiting for that, um, for that shoe to drop mm-hmm. and for, I guess, for the clock to hit midnight and yeah. for um, their dream season to end. And um, obviously Nebraska is still a big brand name. Um, and it would strangely be a pretty measurable upset for Nebraska. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of multiple storylines and you wouldn't expect this matchup to be, um, notable, but as you touched on, um, Trey Palmer is kind of who the national audience knows of. And I guess people are just kind of across, across the nation are kind of expecting maybe upset watch here, um, with Nebraska's high flying offense and Illinois maybe maybe being fraudulent. Um, but neither of us really see Illinois as that. No, I think a lot of people just have not watched enough, you know, film on Illinois. I don't think Shame that, on them. I don't think many people nationally have really been checking in on Brett Bielma and the squad. But yeah, I think I think nationally people like to look at these teams that have overperformed and say, oh, they're gonna they're gonna let it down. I don't know why anyone would expect that to happen against Nebraska, as we've seen Nebraska has been the ones letting everyone down for the better part of, you know, six or seven years now. Um, I was going to, you said, what, what was your kind of iffy score prediction? We'll have these, you know, set in stone by the time our articles come out. What was yours? Yeah, I'd said 26-20 Illinois. Okay. I think uh, what I was thinking originally was like kind of Illinois scores the same as they did on Wisconsin. So in that 32 range, but Nebraska's offense puts up like a 24-26 effort um, because of how good Illinois' defense is. So I think I'm still going to take Nebraska. Right now the spread, at least on bet GMM, is seven and a half. Um, I can't I can't decide what I feel about that. Obviously it's – half of what Purdue's the line with Purdue was. Um, but you, you were saying that you, that doesn't really surprise you that much. Yeah. I mean, kind of, as we touched on, like you may think the line to be a little higher. I think I, I was thinking like we predicted last week, didn't we? Um, yeah. I think, I think I tossed out eight last yeah, week. You're spot on there. If that was, um, the... yeah, I guess the reason it's like a tiny bit lower than that is again, it's a national TV game. Um, people think Illinois is going to, Fall back to earth a little bit. Um, everyone knows Trey Palmer now. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Illinois is not Kansas. And that's no, no disrespect to Kansas. I know you went down there and <laughs> um, a few weeks ago, was it? And yeah, for game day. Yeah. They had a little bit of a letdown and have continued to let down since. But yeah, I know you went down there and enjoyed some of their offerings down there in the <laughs> Sunflower State. Um, and Kansas is, Kansas is pretty solid. They're improved. Um, they're playing in a murderous Big 12. Um, either way, Illinois is better. I don't think we're going to see Illinois fall off this late in the season, even no. if they lose to Nebraska. I would, I would argue, even if they still lose to Nebraska, they're my pick to win the Big Ten West. I would agree. Um, but yeah, the way I see this playing out, um, I think Nebraska is going to have. I'm going to go as far as to say I think Nebraska is going to have the best offensive output of anyone Illinois has played this season. Okay, that's 
That's that's high praise. It's, it sounds like a hot take. Um, let me walk you through that. So Illinois hasn't let up any more than 23 this year. <sighs> wow. Which is what they okay, allow. I guess I agree there. I'm going to say like 24 for Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. and I only, I only said 20. Um, but so that was in that 23-20 loss to Illinois, which still – or Indiana. to Indiana. Yeah, which still confounds us. <laughs> Um, we are going to touch on that every week. <laughs> yeah, how we just cannot believe that game. Though that might be like the biggest outlier result this season. Um, but yeah, so that was the most they have um, allowed points wise, and um, it wasn't like Indiana gouged them. They totaled 362 yards that game. Um, the biggest reason they won was because Illinois had four turnovers compared to just two for Indiana. They scored. Um, I mean. I can't definitively say half those points, but they definitely scored, um, had a couple of those scores off turnovers or set Mm -hmm. up those scores. Um, But yeah, I mean, Nebraska has a above average offense. Um, It could be a prolific offense if they were more consistent, Um, but we saw them put up 37 against an okay Purdue defense last week. Um, We've seen them put up pretty solid offensive outputs against... um, Georgia Southern, who's <laughs> who's a pretty good Sun Belt team. Yeah, um, and they also had a prolific offensive effort in that loss to Northwestern, um, which which is kind of how I see this going. Is Nebraska puts up a lot of yards, um, probably probably I don't know a little over four hundred, which would be a lot of yards for Illinois. They give up only like two hundred twenty yards per game, which Jeez. is absurd. Um, and probably don't have all the points to show for those yards because um, they have a couple turnovers. Yeah, I, the thing that concerns me about Illinois here is that they have shown an ability to win in multiple ways. Um, they played 9-6 to six against Iowa in a defensive slugfest that is the definition of Big Ten ugly football. And then they kind of took it to Wisconsin, who just destroyed Purdue pretty much. Um, so... Again, Big Ten West makes no sense. Still doesn't. Um, but they've shown that they are able to put up, you know, thirty plus points, or get into a defensive slugfest. Nebraska cannot get into a defensive slugfest here, um, unless something massive changes, um, because they are not going to be able to stop the run in the same way that anyone can. Indiana, you know, put that out there. They put, you know, they show that you can beat Illinois, but Nebraska's run defense has shown to let guys run all over them. I think Chase Brown has another huge game. The only way Nebraska is going to be able to win this game is if they keep up offensively, and that's certainly a possibility. That number one defense in the country kind of does turn me away from thinking they will do that, but we have not seen, I wouldn't say that we've seen Illinois go against any elite offenses yet. Um, And so like you said, the best team, the best offense that they've played, I think, I mean, looking at their schedule, correct me if I'm wrong, this I think we can pretty definitively say that Nebraska is the best offense that yeah. they've played so far um, until they get to Purdue or Michigan because um, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota have all been – well, Iowa's been a terrible defense uh, offense. Wisconsin, Minnesota have been average at best. Um, and then Indiana and three non-conference teams. So, yeah, I think, I think Nebraska has a good chance to kind of rack up some yards here. I'm not going to say high scoring because I think Illinois' defense is – so good that if it does become high scoring, they're just going to kind of clamp down and then they'll start running the ball and run over Nebraska. So um, I like, I like your uh, offense, best offensive performance against Illinois. I like that. I like that take. Thank you. Um, 
Yeah, so that's that's kind of the way I see it going. Um, I think the familiar old friend of turnover is going to fail Nebraska. Um, I think we touched on a lot of these statistics last week's podcast because, as I said, it didn't change over the bye week. Um, but Illinois ranks, I think they're tied for second in interceptions, um, which it seems like Casey Thompson's relative turnover woes are probably going to continue. Um, I think the safe bet would be he throws one or two picks, mm-hmm. um, even if he has a pretty good performance. And um, Illinois will take advantage. Um, I guess the most telling stat of Illinois relative to this matchup that I found um, in preparing for my preview and um, is time of possession. Mm-hmm. Um, they're third in the nation in time of possession, lead the Big Ten, um, which Big Ten is always has some teams toward the top of the leaderboard. Um, and I found that notable because Mickey Joseph talked about at the presser yesterday, he specifically said, among other things, um, that were questionable, um, <laughs> not, not, not wrong, but like maybe things you wouldn't you say wouldn't about say your press team, conference. Yeah. um, is he said, uh, he's not going to, he basically said he's not going to try to slow the offense down mm-hmm. because Let that would score. Yeah. That would hamper them. He's not going to say, Hey, score in three minutes because um don't score in one minute which makes sense um but ideally i mean we've seen nebraska kind of hurt itself in because of how explosive its offense can be um and with illinois being so um ball dominant we could see this game play out where nebraska has relative offensive success maybe they score on nearly half their drives which would be a success against illinois um, but Illinois holds the ball for 40 minutes. Yeah. and That would not surprise me, to be honest. Averages half as many yards per play and still wins by six points. Yeah, like we've talked about, they aren't necessarily the greatest running team, but they hand the ball to Chase Brown a lot. And he, if they just keep handing it to him, there's a good chance Nebraska just can't stop. Yeah. Um, and if Illinois is taking you know three-yard chunks down the field the whole way, that defense is going to be gassed by the time the third quarter runs around. Um, and so – the offense may not be able to keep up in that way. I'm interested as Brett Bielma's kind of had Nebraska's number. They had him last year, even while he was at Wisconsin. Um, I kind of Brett, you you talked in your preview. You kind of led it with Brett Bielma's, you know, exciting return to the Big Ten West. Um, you think that his experience playing against Nebraska really plays into this game at all, or is it totally new team, new era, new everything? I would say it definitely does. Um, I probably have, I don't know, I, I value Brett Bielema pretty highly as both a character and a football coach. <laughs> he is a character. Um, so, yeah, I kind of I kind of went a little experimental with the lead and just talked about how weird of a situation this is that, you know, Bielema had those really rock-solid, really, really pretty good Wisconsin teams um, from, I think it was 06 to 2012, um, left for Arkansas, mm-hmm. got fired there after a few years, and then now returns to Illinois had a had a had a team that it wasn't a good team last year, Illinois, but they, they I won would say some they games. overperformed. Yeah, compared to what they had done. You know, yeah, the, the word past. the word that I want to use is evading me, but they overperformed. They were annoying to play. Um, they were five and seven. They were a decent team, um, and now this year they've been really quite good. Um, so yeah, we were talking about Bielema, and um, I think his experience. He's probably played Nebraska seven times now Um, he knows the Big Ten well and you saw with last year's game when Illinois undoubtedly had the lesser team in Nebraska and they found a way to win Mm -hmm. Um, and that was 
with him having not coached in the Big Ten for yeah. like what eight years. Yeah. Um, so I think and I it think was actually one of Nebraska's him. worst losses on the year, other yeah, than definitely. the Ohio State game. Probably um, their worst. So. <laughs> I think it's. I feel like the the balance may have been restored here in the Big Ten West. Bielema comes back, and all of a sudden, it's wide open again. He just knows Big Ten West football, and that yes. we have. He is Big Ten you, West. Football. It's hard to define Big Ten West football, but it's certainly something, and it's coming to Lincoln, Nebraska, on Saturday. Anything else you want to touch on this game before we move on? I think that's about it. All right. Um, I know we need to talk about volleyball because what a season it's been um, for Nebraska. Um, they just continue to tear through the Big Ten, yeah. back to number one in the you know national rankings. And it's super exciting team to watch. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into volleyball odds, but I would assume they're up there for the national title right now. Definitely the front runner for the Big Ten title tonight. As of recording this episode, they play Wisconsin. Obviously, by the time this podcast comes out, the game you know whatever we talk about will be insignificant. Um, but I do want to just touch on this team where. It's a rematch, national championship rematch. This is a massive game for both programs. Yeah, definitely, definitely massive implications. Um, we won't go too in depth on this game because obviously it won't have any. Yeah, it'll it'll have already played out by the time this podcast releases. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we just want to talk about how. Um, I mean, going into this game, um, Nebraska. This is. The biggest game in Nebraska's regular season, probably. Right. I would say probably that will bear out and hold true through the next month as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it being a title rematch, it being on the road at Wisconsin, um, Nebraska being the higher-ranked team, as they were preseason, um, both teams yeah. in the top five. But um, I think the thing that struck me about how I feel at this moment is that I'm still pretty impressed by Nebraska's output, um, regardless of the outcome of this yeah. game. Absolutely. And that's even with them starting number one preseason. Do you yeah. feel similar? Or? Yeah, I, I was so, I was ready for kind of a back-and-forth game against Purdue, um, and they won in straight sets. You know, it wasn't a completely dominant performance, but a 3-0 win over a Purdue team who has, yes, been falling down the rankings as of late. But you, you look at this resume, and it's just incredible. Um, you know, they've dropped one set since Ohio State on September 24th, so basically the entire month of October. They win tonight, you know. There's, you know, they barely lost at all in this entire month, which is incredible. Um, It's such a fascinating team to watch, especially the new pieces that have uh, been brought to this team um, that, you know, make them even more exciting than they were last year when they got to the championship. Um, I kind of had like a – I was doing a project for a class where I had to write a little bit of like a a column sort of thing, and and I was thinking about what can I do, what's topical. Nebraska volleyball gives Nebraska fans – an opportunity to um, kind of give out their, 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 they have all this anticipation to be excited about a sport, and volleyball is doing that right now, and it, it's great to see on campus um, because other sports have not been so great. Volleyball, they pack that building every night, um, yeah. and they're they're excited for it. Yeah, I mean it's cool to see how like bought in people are to the volleyball program. Um, I'd say some games it rivals basketball as oh, the absolutely. second most popular sport. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's great for the university, especially when um, its marquee sport has been struggling for the past two decades, um, for the better part of the past two decades. Someone say it's new marquee sport is this volleyball team. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean it's it's impressive how they started the season number one, and 
it's I mean it's kind of tough to start at that point because there's really nowhere there's nowhere to go. Yeah. go there's really no way you can live up to those expectations besides winning a title <laughs> they've which, lost which, let's see here um, five six seven sets since the beginning of the season yeah so single digits it's That's, you can't you can't get any better than one and it, they had to drop off with that loss yeah. Standard. Yeah, I mean, last year was kind of an outlier, but like just basing off last year, which I think is a relatively practical exercise because a lot of the players are the same. Um, last year, they started the season um, higher than they finished the regular season. They were number one, um, but they had a really kind of concerning lull at the end of the non-conference stretch. Um, definitely took their took their um, shots in Big Ten play. Um, lost a few Big Ten games. I think they finished second in the Big Ten, um, and saw them. We saw them fall like a few times to uh, Wisconsin. I mean, they've lost eight straight to Wisconsin. Um, they lost to, uh, I think, both Purdue and Minnesota last year. But what stood out to me is this year they haven't lost to any of those secondary Big Ten teams. They took care of business against Ohio State. They'll play them again. They took care of business, sweeping Purdue on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and now... They play them again, too. Yeah, and then they, they also took care of business against Penn State and Michigan, which mm-hmm. are also ranked teams. And so we'll see how this game goes tonight. Um, and, I mean, either way, as I said, I think we're pretty impressed with where this team is. Um, they probably aren't number one anymore if they lose tonight, um, but they're, they're not far off. I mean, they just got back to number one. Um, and they've they've definitely earned it with their what yeah. are they eighteen and one yeah they'll be there at least for a week uh, we'll see how it goes after that I think this game's going to tell us a lot about the team going forward because like we talked about previously that stretch at the end of the season where you go you know Ohio State Iowa but then Purdue Wisconsin Minnesota they win tonight in you know convincing fashion you're pretty confident about them possibly winning out and and just kind of taking you know you know exerting their dominance on the rest of the Big Ten. Um, I don't have anything else for volleyball that I want to talk about, um, unless you do. No. But I, I know you wanted to, you know, maybe maybe touch on, uh, you know, give your cross-country heart a, a little rest here and talk about them a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, certainly not Nebraska's best sport, but one of Nebraska's fall sports, you can't dispute that, <laughs> is cross-country. Um, they've actually been – so we're going to touch on this today in our little uh, – Fall sports wrap up um, because they have their biggest meet of the season. Um, I would argue um, this Friday they will be racing at the Big Ten Championships. Um, Nebraska cross country had been trending upward ever so slightly in recent years. Um, I think they peaked in that abbreviated 2020 COVID season. Uh, the men were top five or six in the Big Ten, which is pretty impressive, and the women weren't too far off. Um, it's kind of flipped since then. The women are the superior outfit. The women have actually been very competent this year um, to the point where I could see them, if they had a great day, finishing in the upper half of the Big Ten. Um, that won't put them um, quite in range of qualifying for the NCAA championships in a few weeks, um, but definitely definitely keeping an eye on how that goes for them. Um, it's kind of cool to see. Um, I mean, you could even make an argument, depending on how that goes, that they're the better team that they're the best Nebraska cross-country team in the last five-plus years, um, given that 2020 squad um, was helped by kind of that weird COVID year. Um, Yeah, I'll be interested to see how they do. Um, Nebraska's kind of been reliant on individuals in the past few years. They had an individual qualifier for the women a couple years ago, 
Um, and then they had a couple of really strong men in the past t- few years, um, both of whom transferred out of the program. Um, George Kusha won the Big Ten title in 2020. Um, I don't think we'll see anything like that from any Husker athlete. Um, but yeah, I mean, the men are certainly rebuilding. They have a second-year coach for both both um, the men and women. Um, but I guess most interested to see um, can the women finish toward the top half. And then they have a um, pretty solid frontrunner, freshman Aaliyah Hardy, who um, we do have a profile up on the site about her, um, Thomas Cotto. Uh, one of our writers wrote that, so go check that mm-hmm. out. Um, pretty Shameless interesting. Plug. Yeah. Got to plug that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, she's a true freshman from South Dakota, has an instant impact. Um, she's been – I wouldn't go as far as to say she's, like – I mean, she is nationally competitive, but she's, like, a nat- – she's not a competitor on the national stage. Um, she's region- She's been regionally competitive. She's won a couple of regional meets, um, fared pretty well in the one national, um, national field Nebraska competed in a couple years ago, a couple of weeks ago. And I think she should be contending for like a top 10 finish at the Big Ten Championships, which is a pretty big deal for an individual. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if she qualifies for the NCAA Championships in a couple of weeks. Um, and we'll definitely touch on that if that happens. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of our little uh, cross-country roundup that I feel like we were about due for yeah. towards the end of the fall season. Yeah, it's a, it's a def- it's a big week for Nebraska sports. Yeah, no obviously no. we have the Big Ten soccer tournament, um, cross-country big week, football ranked opponent, and volleyball top five matchup. So. Yeah. Definitely a good time to be alive in Husker sports. That is all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week to recap the week in sports and preview ahead. We've got Minnesota next on the docket for football. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you then.